0: This episode is part two of the discussion with our guest. To hear part one, listen to episode 8 of our podcast.
1: It tells you how to hold up your posture. Like for me it was like just to do that again was a big help actually in my journey with the the splints and everything like that.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Uh
3: when I had gone to the original inner engineering where uh, Subguru actually was there in person. Um, I had gone fully with that intention of, I want to go inside, find this source of intelligence or source of life, which is generating the body. And then if I can tap into that, then intuitively I'll know why this has happened in the nasal maxilla. I'll know why my posture and everything, what's gone incorrect. And through that, I'll correct it. Rather than going from the outside in to correct, let me try and go from the inside out. and as you said sad like when you're doing splint therapy things like that that internal sense of proprioception the internal ability to feel yourself is extremely valuable
1: yeah i mean it's it really is almost like a uh it's i know it's like a it's almost like a spiritual journey when you when you're really in depth with this problem and then you kind of lose all bearings that's certainly how it was for me i i hadn't i had not, i had not an occlusion for almost 10 years so it's like i completely forgot like what muscles i was using to hold myself up was a complete like uh what do you call it? a compensation like everything was a compensation some, some muscles are completely shut down some were extremely weak some were overactive and it was just like i didn't have the first i didn't have the first clue like either you could go to like a physical therapist or someone like or someone really good and you go through individually one muscle at once you know like they literally try to tell you how to fix each single one release every single muscle but i think the easier one or the the more better way would be to kind of find yourself that like let's proprioceptively just open yourself up because when i did that i think the biggest help for me was the Aum chanting, right which i think anybody can do you can actually find it on youtube just that one Mm -hmm. and when you do that it kind of like something just wakes up in you i was like huh oh wow like I am like my hips are like I'm I'm bending forward a little bit and I need to hold it here, like it's just crazy. It's just like suddenly your your brain kind of knows that oh my I'm like this part is weak this part is weak, um yeah. and so that is essential I think. Yeah,
3: um that waking up process, uh, I think if we can get more people closer to that more quickly, then collectively we'll get closer to a solution a lot more quickly as well. Mm-hmm. On top of the research that we can collectively do, um, the sort of cues and inner body understanding that we can share among each other, that, you know, people don't really actually know yet how the hips are supposed to be aligned or this is how to fix, right? Like anterior pelvic tilt, there should be one YouTube video, this is how you fix it, right? But That's not how it is. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. this infinite complexity in the body. And so everyone has to go that deep inside themselves and feel what's going on and the solution might not be an instantaneous one. There might be a lot of stuff that has to let go and release and reshape in order to adjust the hips, adjust the feet and adjust
0: the skull and the body and get us back to proper development. I mean, I definitely agree here. And also there is a lot of misinformation on, out there on, on YouTube and, you know, the other, um, sources of information. Uh, for instance they talk about uh, you know releasing the solace muscle i'm sure many people heard that you know you need to just stretch it out or you just need to muscle, uh, massage it but it doesn't work long term you know why because it's it's just the compensation that is happening and yet if you go on youtube you know they'll tell you oh yeah you just need to stretch that muscle you just need to release it and you see these videos on youtube but it doesn't it doesn't work because the muscle doesn't just want to be in that compensatory um way it's it's just something's causing it to be in that way and we need to understand why it's there and i guess it's what you know it ties up to what you said you know you, you can go inside and really understand rather than looking f- from it uh, rather than looking at it from the outside you can go inside of yourself to understand what's causing all this i think that's very very interesting and important i hadn't brought up that essentially at,
3: at the late stage of what i was going through after 18 i already also had crippling back spasms mm-hmm. and that was causing my body to spasm up um randomly and those would put me out for a couple of days and that like you know over an hour into the conversation i didn't even mention them because we don't even <laughs> these things seem so unrelated that my teeth were this way and my lower back was this way um however the soas muscle connects up into the lower back so if you're overly
2: tense yeah in that lower back then you're going to be overly tense uh
0: throughout the spine as well and it actually ties into your diaphragm also the muscle it's a very important muscle for the body and you know it's all connected
3: yeah 100 um when i was commuting i was commuting an hour each way and I was paying attention to trying to release the psoas because I figured that should help fix my lower back pain. I was also a very angry person at this time. I'm trying to combine a bunch of stuff in here because, you know, solutions are going to be holistic, I think. Sure. And so let me put in a bunch of context. Uh, I was also an angry, confused, anxious young person and had crippling back spasms. And at the time, I was trying to breathe into my lower back because. I was too lazy to stretch, so I got the feeling of why don't I just push air down, and if I push air down and the psoas is there, then I'll be able to feel the psoas and sort of loosen up the muscles in that area,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I felt that I could do that, if, and I think anyone can do that if you sort of just breathe into your belly, mm-hmm. breathe into the lower back side of the belly. hmm you can get a feel for the muscles which form up the like the posterior and sides, so the back and sides of your lower pelvis, mm-hmm. your lower torso. Um, and you can feel the tightness that's there right. as well. And I could feel the tightness that was there. And so I massaged into it. I would push into it
2: and start releasing things. Um, I would feel emotional releases. And it's, it's, documented enough
3: in various methodologies that when they start to get into muscles and you have tight muscles one of the things i had searched at this time was how do i release the psoas right and there's something called trauma release exercise Mm -hmm. for psoas release and they speak about how the psoas is actually a really uh psychosomatic muscle you could be storing traumas in there you could be Mm -hmm. storing memories and emotions in there and that could be causing it to seize up
0: yes tighten yeah I mean by all means don't get me wrong um i, I do totally agree with what you say Karen is what I was talking about earlier is when the issue of the psoas muscle or any other muscle glute muscles q l muscles are jaw driven, and people mm-hmm. on youtube or other um sources try to tell you you just need to stress it stretch it or you just need to release it you know the i i've been I've been through it myself many times I've been visiting loads of you know physiotherapists a therapist, and you know doing a bunch of things on my own and the results doesn't last because the issue is somewhere else you know in my case it's definitely you know the what i've been through with the jaw um but yeah yeah i mean i agree that the psoas muscle could store trauma as you say it's just that for me you know it was very evident that it's coming from from the jaw
3: yeah and when we look at these things um
2: we would consider that an injury,
3: right? Um, yeah. If if some sort of medical interventions happen, so the entire body is interrelated, and if if we have somebody who has not had any significant injury or medical intervention, mm-hmm. um, that's an easier place to start a lot of the times because there could the body could have been undergrown already. Like there could have already been an issue. And then on top of that, it has a catastrophic injury, which something like extractions and retraction, I would say is it's a major injury for the body.
0: It is definitely. And uh, me and Sat can definitely (laughs) relate to that.
3: Um, And now the body's going to all, the body's all going to shift around to try and compensate for this major injury that's happened up there. And to undo those compensations, to get us at least back to the baseline before or nearing as best as we can. Mm-hmm. And then we have to get to that point before we can start thinking about, okay, how do we restart growth? Um, yeah. Yeah, whatever I mean, that's a great point
1: because it just speaks to where I am right now. Cause I, I've been uh, like, I finally have occlusion after 10 years. I reopened my spaces and like I've technically checked off all the boxes of what caused it, what I've undone it, but I still, have like so many like anywhere you i press on my face it still hurts you know because those muscles have been hot they've been running hot for 10 years that now that i do have occlusion it's like they're not going to just go back to normal you know there's so many muscles that need to be released weak muscles that need to be strengthened and not just like all over the neck the back like i'm trying to address it one by one and trying to really kind of just feel you know feel where the issues is and all that but like you said you need to kind of really um it's not just like oh yeah 10 years or you've been in this state for a long time now now you're like you're done now we can just start growing it i don't and that's a great point actually i think that's another reason why a lot of these growth appliances and techniques don't work especially on people that have so much trauma already you know if you're just a young kid and you go in you put some appliance in you start turning it you probably will get better expansion than someone like me or or me where like you know you've been Uh, in pain and twisted for 10 years and then you go try that it won't it won't work you have to get all of those things cleared out
0: yeah and also if you combine it with uh, bad habits like sitting too much or doing the exercises with the wrong technique uh you know poor nutrition all these things are just get added on top of the issue that you could have going on so that certainly doesn't help either so you need to sort of peel the onion the onion right the layers of it especially if you have issues and symptoms going on. I mean, you can't really think uh, straight sometimes because of all the symptoms that you may be experiencing.
3: We we do have enough of a knowledge base collectively that when people are coming new into this, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think we we do end up saving people years and like possibly a lot of issues because of, say, as soon as I mentioned the psoas and the diet, and you mentioned the diaphragm, it connects up into there, right? Yeah. And that's something that people, unless by accident, they might not find out for a long time. Um, Whereas if we have really good guidance and it seems like it's up to us to build it, um, maybe eventually the medical system will. But like, why even wait for them to do so? Um, We can just attract people into this to find out that they, for people to first find out that there's a major issue that's happening across all humanity. Mm -hmm. Some of it's injury driven like with extractions and things like that. But even more so, there's
2: a lot of it that's just something's gone wrong with human development in a major way. And what whole body breathing was doing, it was essentially all this 10
3: years of research that seemed to be in all different fields, right? So like trauma release exercise for the psoas. Um, When I was researching that, I didn't research it thinking it had anything to do with my jaws. That was one thing I was researching and the jaws were a different thing I was researching. Um, right. Fixing my lower back was one project.
2: Fixing my skull was a separate project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, finding out that the soas is going to connect up into the diaphragm. So with things like
3: PRI, right? Yes. Those sort of understandings. Adding more and more Lego pieces -hmm. To the understanding, putting more and more puzzle pieces together. And well, as I was driving, I was feeling into my hips, breathing into my hips, kind of expand, like actually pushing in to get some expansion. And as I pushed down to get some expansion into my hips, I began to notice that I was also getting expansion in my skull, like a feeling of expansion. That if I breathe into my hips and push down there, i'm also getting increased pressure into the skull it feels like the temporal bones and the sides of the skull are pushing out Mm -hmm. and then i I did typically what i do i just went straight to google and researching like heavily heavily uh i'm not sure if i would posted about on on the forum yet but i felt like of course breathing breathing must be at the core of this because breathing's like all functions like pranayama it's the core of what we do and i've been thinking about how do we tap into the body and really get into that source of intelligence and yoga is one way that people do that so of course like the breathing is the way we're going to do this
2: and through that i had found out about i somehow by luck i found martin jones
3: and i started digesting his videos And he had said in one of his videos that he was doing something called holographic breathing. And he said, through doing that, he had trained somebody such that their jaws expanded. And he said his own jaws expanded as well. And then I I brought him into the community and I said, look, everyone listen to this, because I think we're onto something really big here. Because if i'm feeling this undeniably i'm feeling this in my hips. yeah no, uh, just to yeah.
1: um i i absolutely felt that because i was one of your earliest videos because I, I didn't know that you had a youtube channel alongside the forum so i watched that holographic breathing and i tried it i mean i didn't keep up with it because i'm just i have so many different things going on but i you can definitely feel something it's not just all like when what the, the stuff that he says you can absolutely feel that uh, you can you can feel the stuff that the osteopath is trying to feel on your head. Uh, you know when you do when you follow those steps. So I, you're absolutely right. There is definitely more to this just, just the mechanical aspect of it. I
3: I would propose the mechanics of it are definitely the main thing that we we focus around. Because when I was just breathing into my hips, it was hard enough to believe or like think that I'm getting some movement in my head. So I'm like, maybe I'm just, you know, increasing my blood pressure or something like that. What if I just breathe really gently into the hips? And by now, you know, having a two-hour commute, I had a lot of time to put into this. A lot of practice, a lot of, like, ability to develop subtle focus. And it was like, no, even if I breathe a little bit into my hips,
2: I can feel this is causing something up inside my head. Mm -hmm. And from there, getting Martin
3: Jones in there... Just because his observation of the jaw movement, which is like really core to holographic breathing, that if you breathe in, you'll have a slight tug on the jaw. The jaw will come down a little bit. That got to thinking
2: okay, what if we recruit more and more muscles into this? And there's another field of thought, which is anatomy trains. So the fascial system in the
3: body. Um, which is the connective tissue that runs through the body and it gives your body structure and form. And if, if you want to talk about the way the body is formed and structured, um, is largely an, an issue of how the fascia has organized itself. And connecting that in with cranial sacral therapy. Now, now this is like just too much context. I apologize to the listeners if it's like you're talking about a lot of stuff. Connecting that into craniosacral therapy and cranial osteopathy, um, the way that cranial osteopathy began was Sutherland. I believe it was Sutherland. He looked at right. the skull, and he saw that it was beveled like the gills of a fish, and he said, "Oh, this seems to have some sort of movement potential." And then, if wasn't you there look-
1: some famous experiment? I mean, uh, clearly you know a lot about this. I I remember hearing from someone that I don't know if it was Sutherland. They kind of like tried to lock up their skull, like they put something on their head, they t- they tight and then they tried to live that way. And yeah. they almost like went crazy or something like that. This is to prove that the skull actually moves and it it sort of like breathes, like for lack of a better word. And yeah. that you that is uh like that rhythm is there. And so was that Sutherland? I I heard the story from someone from an osteopath.
3: Yeah. I believe it was Sutherland. Um and it was exactly the experiment that you're talking about. There's also somebody who was in Ontario, uh, cranial adjustment, Turner style, uh, or CATS, it's called, where he, the adjustments on like children who were wetting themselves or they had ADHD or all sorts of different mental patterns. Um, and a lot of cranial psychotherapists and osteopaths have talked about this in terms of they do cranial adjustment. There'll be some cranial bone that's jammed up on some part of the brain. And relieving that pressure and getting movement back in the skull again ends up correcting the child's behavior issue or concussive issue. If it happened because of an injury, um, the bones get jammed together and then you have a behavioral problem. And to unjam the bones, the behavior of the person changes again. And all sorts of health problems throughout the body it could be you know, irritable yeah. bowel syndrome, anything like that. A lot of things get caused by it. It, it does make sense. Because when you think of the skull, if we just don't think of the skull as a bone, it's wrapped around your central nervous system. Your central nervous system is quote unquote you, right? So the immediate casing surrounding the central nervous system, your brain and your spinal cord is not only the bones, the 22 skull bones and the vertebra, but also the meninges which is the tight matter that surrounds all of this and correction of that would of course cause correction of symptoms across the body because all of the nervous system and everything ranges itself around these structures and i would propose as well that to fix cranial issues which is the jaw and the skulls and the development there um it would be fixing the entire
2: cranium now When Sutherland noticed that you get movement from, say, the skull, what's simple enough to notice,
3: I think, is that the way the accessory muscles of breathing, the accessory muscles of breathing would be stuff like the sternocleidomastoid, the scalenes, Mm -hmm. um, essentially the, the muscles that attach around your entire neck and attach to your skull the way that those attach, those would imply that if those on every single inhale, if those pulled, they would be tugging your bones in exactly, almost exactly the same movement that craniosacral therapists describe. Now, craniosacral therapists, they describe this motion of the skull bones and a certain rhythm to it. But to date, as far as I know, there's been no, they've been unable to prove that they're detecting the same rhythm. If you get 10 of them in a room, I think this was an experiment that was actually conducted. You get 10 of them in a room and say like, what is this patient's cranial rhythm? They all come up with different answers.
2: And yeah.
3: Oh. Yeah.
1: But so, but that's, but I'm curious though, then, then, so what are they correcting then? If they're feeling different things, because in general, I have a, a good opinion of osteopaths, you know? because obviously with like if you have occlusion issues and all that that does need to be fixed but i do feel much more aligned like i just feel it feels much better and actually some sometimes some symptoms actually at least temporarily go away after an osteopath works on me and i can totally see like sometimes they would just like lightly touch my feet and try to adjust it and then immediately i would feel like pain relief in the skull you know like a pain that i've been having on the left temple or something like that but it seems like all of them they, after you see each osteopath, it, the, the effect is the same though. Like, how are they all still correcting it the right way? Like, how how does that work?
3: Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Osteopaths are among my favorite practitioners, possibly my favorite practitioner. I I do think they're doing correct work. I do think they are finding misalignments and things that are jammed up, and they are freeing them up. Um, however, the question of the cranial rhythm, um, the cranial movement that is one where um say sutherland they, they have various descriptions of it right there's the tidal the tidal motion the cranial breath like there's various waves of motion that they they say happen and that are responsible like primal respiration that are responsible for the skull movement however when they all measure it, they, they can probably measure and agree with each other that this person's temporal bone is rotated. There's this torsion in the skull or there's this torsion down the body, down the cranial sacral system. For that, they can probably all agree and they can get um movement back into it and they can do proper adjustments. But for what the actual rhythm is itself in the body of cranial movement, um, they haven't been able to find a way of determining exactly what that movement is. And in cranial sacral thought, that movement is its own rhythm. But it's not been detectable in like a
2: repeatable
0: way. But could it that, be like, could it be because they all feel and perceive different rhythm? Because they're all obviously different people and they they feel different things when they work in on a patient. Or what could be the I,
2: reason? think it's
3: I think what What the claim is is that it's a physical rhythm, so it has to have some objectivity like it objectively has to happen at this certain mm. pace and when right. when they're all trying to feel it, they are probably feeling different things, maybe one's more feeling for their own respiration, or maybe someone's feeling closer to the third heartbeat or something like that, but they are not feeling the same thing, and that's also why with like sensors on in the human brain they haven't been able to find something very specifically but i think the thing is i think they have found it here's my proposal with whole body breathing and essentially scientific papers do show that cerebrospinal fluid so the csf pressure is largely driven by respiration so Mm -hmm. on every inhale you get an increase in pressure inside the skull which would cause an expansion of the skull. And, uh, and if you look at the accessory muscles of breathing on top of that, they would all pull on the skull and tug the skull open on the inhale. Um, I think that the cranial driver, the motion that causes cranial sacral rhythm, is simply respiration. Uh, it's not some alternate movement that happens by itself. I think it's the respiration that drives it. If we restart that at a really deep level, because this is really core to how I view the skull and how we're going to get full correction. Um, it's not just going to be in the nasal maxilla and the jaws. It's going to be the entire cranial base and skull, like as a 3D jigsaw puzzle that has to reorient itself and move bones into the correct place and grow bones and remodel them. The entire skull has to reshape itself, not just the jaws. Mm. and. In order to do that, we need the meninges inside of the skull to let go. That's first off. That's that's important because MSC providers and dentists, they've begun to understand this. ELF providers have known this for a long time. Uh, Derek Nordstrom and ELF, they've already been on this case for quite a bit where you have to work with the osteopath and start expanding the palate and the palatine bones. And then you have to work inside the skull because you have the meninges. Mm -hmm. So the tentorium cerebelli, and the fox cerebri, and they're called the dura mater, which is the tough mother. It's a very dense fascial tissue, very, very dense and thick. And if it doesn't let go, your skull bones aren't going anywhere.
2: Mm,
3: right. That coats the entire inside of your cranium, including the back of your uh, cranial base, which is what your nasal maxilla is going to hang off of. The tightness and torsion that happens there, If we want the skull to remodel itself in a 3D way, and this is the understanding that a lot of people come to when they they see that they're undergrown, that it's not just that they're undergrown in the jaws, but one eye will be higher than the other, and then one ear will be slightly twisted in this way, and that they're carrying their head with a slight twist. So, this torsion that exists through the skull and down the spine, because then it becomes a scoliosis. Mm-hmm. People begin to notice that my back's actually slightly out, my hips are slightly twisted. Yeah. So, this twist and lack of growth and development we're seeing in the skull is a whole body phenomenon. The entire body's twisted around the meninges,
0: around this central axis. I have a question here, but somebody could say to you that it all it's the skull is secondary and primary is the bite coming back to the point we discussed earlier today that if you Mm -hmm. fix the bite and there is an issue with the bite the cranial will then be able to stabilize and you know your issues would go away with the posture what what, what do you think about that
3: yeah i would agree with i would agree with them (laughs) in terms of everything has a chicken and egg sort of issue Mm. um the one theory i agree with is that the dentition forms the third point of contact for your vertebrae so like every vertebra has three points of contact with the one above it Mm -hmm. and so you have a tripod that becomes your spine yeah however the top vertebra the atlas and your occiput they only have two points of contact there's no third one the third point of stability i think is actually your occlusion your teeth and so that is why uh say if your teeth, your occlusion's off, that it's definitely gonna go all the way down your spine because the third point of contact for the top of your spine is off.
2: It's gonna twist. Sure. And sure. Yeah.
1: So you know, you were talking about the uh you know, the cranial rhythm and the breath uh having an impact on the on the entire body and so isn't this kind of similar to like for example, I have made some big strides with fixing the occlusion, when it comes to the posture and the body and everything. But according to what Marcello's original protocol and a lot of ALF dentists also say that you still need to address the twists of the skull, you know, and I I feel it like I have a, I think it's a left side torsion, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And like, I can feel it like I constantly feel like I see from the left side of my eye more than the right, like I can tell my skull is a little bit twisted off to one side. So even uh, like I str- my I have, I have pain more on one side than the other. And I know it originates from the skull. It's like the skull is like distorted. There's like a maxillary cant that needs to be corrected. And mm-hmm. the ALF people say that, you know, using the ALF is the only way. So do you think that using like your whole body breathing could be able to correct that, like uh, put the maxilla back on its correct path?
3: One of the main things that I want to do, I really, really, really want to do, and we're on the cusp of doing it, um, is getting a really good elf practitioner
2: combined with whole body breathing. Right. It, it's it's
3: we're right on the cusp of doing that, and I do think combined with elf, uh, whole body breathing is especially with a patient that really does whole body breathing well, um, because as you you can feel the torsions in your skull set. And that's like the torsions that you can feel are actual tissue that you can feel. Because right. say when you get a headache, you can really, really feel your skull. Like if you got a really bad headache, you can feel it too much. Those are pain receptors. But the like according to Hopkins Institute, like the fascia that runs through your body is almost as sensitive as skin. So you can get a more accurate really, really accurate picture of exactly what the torsion is, like what's going on inside of your skull. And to combine that with like a, an ALF practitioner that really, really knows what they're doing. I just spoke with somebody who said, "Kron, you have to talk to Dr. Nordstrom. Like, I haven't been able to get a hold of him yet. Apparently, there's a certain special way I'm supposed to go through to get to him. I've learned a little bit more about it now as of yesterday. It's been my inkling for a little bit, that whole body breathing, it gives people results. That's, where we always worked at with whole body breathing was i told people to try something like within our community i said hey could you guys try you know paying attention to this if you pay attention to your breath like this and then maybe breathe a little bit harder what happens and they all started reporting the same things that like they're getting uh pops and cracks in their nasal maxilla in their temporal bones they're getting a little bit of swinging feeling like you can get a feeling of movements actually happening you're essentially doing cranial sacral therapy or cranial osteopathy on yourself with whole body breathing
1: yeah i mean i was gonna say because like when i talk about that torsion of the skull you know like i have to i always have to work around it when i'm making a splint or anything because it seems yeah. like the left side of my jaw i'm mean, sorry my skull is like twisted back it needs to be brought forward almost mm-hmm. and like that's why i constantly like it's like literally the skull is twisted to one side so i, I see from my dominant eye like the side of the nose because it's like a little bit behind but whenever the osteopath works on me I feel that go away you know my vision clears up like Mm. but then it doesn't it never holds for me so Mm. I would be you know it'd be interesting like you said to see if you can combine it with ALF or something like that maybe this is a more potent combination than the normal thing of like osteopath and and ALF which is what most people recommend
3: yeah the the two things so safer holding it in the first place even surgery relapses right And our proposal for that is that your fascial network, it has a certain pattern. And even if it feels better a certain way, it's going to relapse to the pattern that you're in. And the pattern that you're in, this goes deeper into the yogic understanding. That pattern is kind of who you are. That's kind of how you're holding yourself. Because, I mean, who else is holding you, right? No one's holding you that way. You're holding yourself that way. Not consciously. Not not at the level of consciousness, but on some deep level, you're holding your body in that way. And to Are you saying it's because body, of
1: the, the karmic imprint? Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, this is samskara. Um, and right. samkhocha is, I heard this word from Alan Watts, and it, it was really, I was, this was while, while I was doing the commute as well. Uh, I heard the word from Alan Watts that the ego is a samkhocha. It's a sense, of, a sense of habitual contraction in the body. And because you, your ego has nothing else to hold on to, the only thing it could possibly hold on to is your body, so it holds it tight. And that becomes you. And I believe that's why children grow really easily and they adapt really easily. As you become more and more of an adult, you become rigid and you become a person. And so to actually change how you're holding yourself, you this is um, something we understand from posture, right? That if you do a power pose, which is you just puff your chest out, you know, shoulders back, you become more confident, like measurably. Uh, They do studies where they have people who are working in cubicles and they give them a very small screen and like a small laptop so they have to hunch over. And in the study, those people stop speaking up in meetings. And then when they, they give them a big screen again and they can sit properly at their desk and, you know, open up their chest again, those people again become extroverted. Um, it's a two-way relationship and that's really even going all the way back to like where did we get to these topics because we were talking about mewing and we're like how do we mew all the time then how do we mew even in our sleep and it's like well that that actually means your posture is really closely tied to who you are who you're holding yourself as how you're being yeah
1: because I mean I can speak uh, yeah because you're absolutely right because I I did a full myofunctional course I mean, I, I, I don't want to go over it again. I discussed this in the first episode, but it it without a proper, like you said, you always hit like a, a, a point where it's like a, a dead end. You know, for me, it was it was really helpful, by the way, to kind of overtrain all those muscles, but I could never actually finish the course uh, just because like you need to have a stable occlusion, you need to have everything else for that to fully work. So it's like you get caught in a little bit of a like a circle, you know, mm-hmm. so that's kind of why I stopped because you wanted the exercises to help you find the occlusion but you need the occlusion to finish all of the courses the exercises
2: the
3: safer like right right now where you're at like the osteopath can get you they they can feel the pattern they must be skilled and you're you're skilled as to yourself as a patient cuz the patient's important if the patient can feel what's going on um they're going to allow an adjustment so you allow yourself to be adjusted pro- properly more towards the correct direction and it's not relapsing likely because it's a bad adjustment. It's relapsing because we just, you, we feel better, right? You, you get twisted in, uh, when the, when the osteopath does something, or I'll, I'll just probably put an example that a lot of people can relate to. You go to a chiropractor and they crack your back and you walk out a happier person. <laughs> you walk out a different person. And yeah. then your life happens and you react to everything that was happening in the same way, which means you, you come back into the postures, the mental postures and physical postures, and you relapse yourself, I would propose. Um, we all do. Yeah, it. I
1: mean, you need to kind of find out, like, when it comes to that, uh, you need to kind of identify what, what drags you back into the old position, you know? This is something that I feel like a lot of, like, because when you go, because I used to go to, like, an atlas chiropractor, you know, where they would adjust specifically only the atlas. But mm. you would feel really balanced. It was, like, a world of difference. And it was such a light movement. But I know for myself that it would keep getting dragged back to where it was because it was a compensation for the lack of occlusion. So that's my case. And so everybody that comes in there, like they all have their own reasons. There's so many reasons that it keeps going back to the original position. But you need to figure that out without, you know, rather than just saying I want to keep like, you know, it's like a back and forth. It's like a tug of war. You just can't pull it one way. The body pulls it back. So you're right. There's like a million reasons. You need to identify that, why it's even doing that before just kind of forcing it.
3: Yeah, definitely. If if there is a occlusion reason, that needs to be sorted out. And if there's a reason without any sort of injury, if someone can't identify that they have some sort of injury in their body, but they do keep relapsing, and I think that's what everyone does because that's why we keep going back to chiropractors, keep going back to the physio. We We end up Even if they fix one thing, we end up compensating in a different way. And with enough attention in the body, um, it's been found out that these are psychosomatic patterns. Almost all of it, um, is something related to attention in the body and anxiety in the body, some way that we're holding ourselves. So that's one level of it. So that holds us back from fully expanding, fully. Uh, being able to correct the second thing for whole body breathing is that we work on this theory and all of our theories are something that we got confirmed from other places so when other people independently reach similar conclusions as us that like just gets me really excited because um if what's in my observation is also in sats observation and yours as well then it's that's i I find that to be scientific thinking, because if independently multiple people paying attention to their own body came to similar conclusions about how the body's functioning, that's like a scientific line of inquiry and
2: right, yeah,
3: the idea of multiple diaphragms a lot of people have come to it. we have set in within whole body breathing theory we think of seven diaphragms, but a lot of people have at least identified five. you got your main respiratory diaphragm the next pelvic floor diaphragm people understand that that exists and that they work with each other they're correlated to each other so tightness in one area is going to be tightness in another and twists so and what do you mean by
1: that the multiple diaphragm like diaphragm is just one part right like are you saying it's a, whatever happens there happens elsewhere is that what you mean
2: yeah
3: yep okay and we, we would call the pelvic floor a diaphragm oh i see diaphragm. Okay. Okay. so okay yeah and Now, more and more, the understanding that there's a cranial diaphragm, too. So that tentorium that I talked about, the tentorium cerebelli, that meninges, is a web or it's called a tentorium. It looks like a tent that goes across the center line of your skull. And it lines up pretty much exactly with your zygomatic bones. And if you were to follow the curve, it would basically become the curve of your palate. And if you want to feel for where it is, you can take your hands behind your head. And you can feel for where the bump is at the back of your head. Well, on the inside, is this of where that, you? Yeah.
1: Is this the bump, like with like the back, like um, uh, like above your neck?
2: Yep. Basically, just go right. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: I feel a little protrusion. I assume that's it. That is it. That is exactly it. Okay.
3: On the inside of that is where your tentorium is going to be. So this diaphragm, um. And that's going to be roughly level. So that's level. below or
1: above, though. I see a little indent below. Yeah.
3: Right right there. Like, is it above or below? It's It's got some so thickness I see, to it.
1: Yeah, I see, like, a little thing sticking out. And then if you go below it, right below it, there's, like, a little hole.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay.
3: So, like, right where your fingers are, like, if you're right on the dot, like, right on yeah. that bump. Yeah. And there is going to be your tentorium. And that's going to okay. be roughly in line with your zygomatic arc as well oh, so your zygomatic bones and if you look at a diagram of the skull and i i encourage everyone to do this is like google the images right like google tentorium and get a feeling for what's going on inside there and yeah. it wraps around and it essentially becomes a diaphragm for the skull and it even looks like it i've seen uh anatomy trains dissections where they cut open the top of the skull of, like, somebody who's still pretty fresh. And it looks like a diaphragm. In fact, if mm-hmm. I showed you a picture of it, and I said this is the diaphragm, you might be like, okay, but you don't know. It's not the respiratory diaphragm. Yeah. And so these fascial sheaths, there's multiple diaphragms, and they all level out with each other, and they reflect each other as well. And it seems to be that there's multiple diaphragms in the body. You have your main respiratory diaphragm, at the very least, You have the pelvic floor diaphragm as well. You also have the main diaphragm of the head, the tentorium, which wraps around and connects to around the entire central structure of your skull as well. And in whole body breathing, we also talk about the feet as being a diaphragm, Mm -hmm. your thoracic inlet as being a diaphragm,
2: and your scalp, so the top aponeurosis of your skull as being a diaphragm. And all
3: of these connect together as well, as we notice, say, through the psoas. So going through your pelvic diaphragm is the psoas muscle, which is going to connect up into your main respiratory diaphragm and through PRI or like many, many different sources of physical knowledge and self-understanding, we do know that our pelvic diaphragm, and our main respiratory diaphragm work together. They're connected together. In fact, there's a, an exercise we have in whole body breathing called the psoas sit-up, which I'll put out a video about it. it. It basically will confirm to anybody that your psoas, so your main respiratory diaphragm, and your
2: legs are tied together intimately in breathing. Now, right. if the body's all torsioned up... um and we want
3: to correct it, and have permanent correction in it, then we, because in general, when we just feel for the skull, and we feel inside that it's all twisted up, there's not really a good metric or point of reference by which we can say, okay, this is what an expanded skull looks like. Mm. And so we would say when your diaphragms are all properly expanded, that's what proper expansion looks like. So when your tentorium, which might be more tight and constricted on one side, and that's what the osteopath works on. When that releases, that lets go of the right side of your skull. That allows your temporal bone to shift back into its proper position, widen the skull. And when you breathe in, your, your chest cavity, the te- that diaphragm expands 360 degrees. And so that widens out all the bones and it's a very visible expansion. That same thing happens to a more subtle level in the pelvis Mm. and also a more subtle level in the skull. That's that cranial rhythm on every single respiration that's supposed to happen. That's supposed to be the proper driver of growth for humans. At some point that gets interrupted. In our childhood or in our teen years, at some point that whole body respiration we get injured could happen with extraction something like that we get some sort of emotional trauma or our fascial fitness is just not there the chains of uh, the anatomy trains change or the hyperarch uh, fascia trains they don't exist and this proper respiration which is supposed to occur um, in order to grow the skull and get it to happen Uh, expand all the diaphragms and grow them to their proper size if that breaks down at some point during development you get what looks like a collapsed skull and collapsed hips or a collapse down the
0: body well how do you then you know figure out how to fix this because this is very you know this issue i mean it's it's fairly complex i mean have you come across any besides obviously you know talking to people on the forum but like are there any specialists that specialize in this to be able to mm. restore all this? Because, you know, doing it on your own or even with people um, online could be quite not an easy task. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: 100 um, percent that if you get really, really
3: good at it, yeah, you will be able to go to your osteopath and your osteopath will say thank you. Because you'll be, they'll feel what you're doing. As as the osteopath tries to adjust your temporal bone or whatever is going on on the right side, mm-hmm. if you can, you know, I can direct you to breathe. That's something that's conscious and subconscious. So your doctor or your osteopath can tell you to breathe in. And you can expand your diaphragm at will. And if you've done things like PRI mm-hmm. or got a good feeling for your body, you you can probably now understand more than the average person that your whole diaphragm does not expand unilaterally in fact some parts of it might be frozen up and not be expanding properly the way they should be so you can work on those and your osteopath can work on those concurrently with you so when your osteopath working on your right side diaphragm and says breathe in you're both working together you're both feeling that area and opening it up mm-hmm. and this and to the skull too, your, your osteopath will be feeling your tentorium and knowing that the right side or the left side or whoever is constricted and torsioned, And when you can feel it as well, and you can breathe into it and cause some expansion, the osteopath will feel that. And we've had multiple examples of myself and people who do whole body breathing. They go to the cranial sacral therapist or the osteopath and they're like, I can tell you're doing it too. Um Right. Yeah, that that's essentially what it is. I, I do think people will need help, especially at this stage. Yeah. Um if we want full correction, that's that's not where we're at with whole body breathing yet. We we get the sort of results people typically get with a removable palate expander in terms of nasal maxilla results. So their breathing will open up, um their airway, they'll feel like it's improved. Maybe slight adjustments in the face, slight adjustments in the skull. But essentially what you would expect from the, the removable palate expander, other than the alveolar remodeling. And on top of that, the, the psychosomatic changes as well, as the, the posture that they're holding onto, the personality that they're holding onto has to open up and release. Um, you can get self-adjustment. This is essentially cranios- self-cranio psychotherapy, mm-hmm. self-adjustment of the whole body. You can get adjustments that are loud enough that somebody in the room can hear them. That you your temporal bone shifts in such a way that it cracks, and someone nearby can hear it that happens sometimes to get full correction, we're probably going to have to. going have to talk to dr. Nordstrom mm-hmm. um, and most definitely, I would say it becomes fun actually to go to uh, the osteopath and these visits are already fun for the most part, but if you can get a really good feel for this mm-hmm. uh movement in your body and induce it at will very powerfully, um, not just a little bit of movement, right? If you learn how to how the entire fascia of the body through anatomy trains understandings, that's Thomas Myers, mm-hmm. uh, how it all connects together. So, you know, as, as you said that your psoas connects to your main respiratory diaphragm. Mm-hmm. So once you understood that, not only intellectually, but once you've experientially understood that and you can flex them both together, now you have something very powerful that you can use. So if somebody's working on your body, you feel those connections and you can use them at will to help your own correction.
2: And right. yeah,
3: so to work with these professionals, the leading edge type professionals where the ALF people and the osteopaths, um, they're going to help a lot. But to help prevent you from relapsing and also to get, I would say, three to four times the results, like if if you can do this on yourself. If you can be your own osteopath using your breathing, and then you go to an osteopath on top of that,
0: you're just going to be a force multiplier for each other. Right. Okay. So it could be used as a sort of supplementary technique to say if you're doing the ALF. If you learn how to do this, you will just multiply your chances of a great outcome as a result. I I would... Even flip
3: it. And I would say the ALF and those things are supplementary. You becoming your own practitioner, like you knowing your body so well that you can do this would be first. And then once you can do that, you can add on anything you feel is going to be good for you. So this would be the,
0: like you could say that this would be the base, like the the basis, the foundation.
3: Yeah. Everything we've researched so far about how to get the body, like this is the plug and play of everything. (laughs) Of like it all, it's all fit together very nicely. Back when we started researching NCR, or face pulling, or any of the things we were researching, they didn't seem like they're going to link together. But mm-hmm. it turns out they all link together in this uh very comprehensive, uh beautiful way. I, I think it, it's good that it's beautiful, right? It's a, a, a aesthetically pleasing the way it fits together.
0: Right. So I just have a question. So we, I know, I know quite a few people that have cranial torsions. As a result of bad orthodontics, Um, so would you then say that even if they have quite severe uh, cranial torsions, they can still benefit from using just this method alone? They can still get some somewhat good results and relief if they manage to to learn this. What's your take on that? Yeah,
3: definitely, definitely.
2: Right, they will be able to.
3: Yeah, it's real. Rather than a breathing technique it's more an exploration into mm. like how does your body actually work and we think not only because this is our theory but this is because we've added from PRI yes. it's not just we haven't we haven't cherry picked anything either it's just like wow everything seems to fit together everything seems to fit together really well and that's why right when we started I was talking about how this seems to be an exciting uh stage that we're in collectively Mm-hmm. because a lot of people are starting to see how these things link together. Um, every little while we get somebody coming to us saying like, have you guys heard of uh, this? Cause it fits right in with your theory. Right. Uh, and we'll learn something from it. And yeah, I think you have to be breathing properly because form follows function. And the number one function is breathing. There's nothing that's more central to your survival than breathing. And there's nothing that you do more often. We even say the heartbeat, we would consider that part of the uh, circulatory respiratory system, but that's maybe a bit of a stretch. Mm -hmm. There's no big movement that you do in your body as often as breathing. So form follows function, and your most common function is respiration. And respiration, in fact, goes throughout the whole body. Could I try something, uh, an experiment? Because I think I'm intellectually explaining
2: things, but if people experience it, it might be easier to grasp. Um, is that okay? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So
3: the, the basic exercise is just that we start with what we can feel for sure, which is that our chest does expand on the inhale. So I want you to please actually feel that that when i breathe in there's actually movement in my ribs my upper ribs especially but however in my diaphragm that on every inhale for sure there's movement happening here not just intellectually but i can feel it i can feel these things expanding sliding against each other perhaps there's some tightness in there as well so it might not be expanding all the way however whatever you feel but confirm that you actually or objectively feeling movement in your chest on the inhale. Now, once you've done that, continue to feel that, but then grip your hands into a tight fist, into quite a tight fist, and just continue breathing, paying
2: attention to the chest, feeling from movement. When you're gripped tight, And then on one of the next inhales, you're going to let go of your hands and just let go of that tension in your hands and see the movement in your chest. And anyone can try that a couple of times to see if there's a noticeable difference.
1: It's like easier when you let go of your hands
0: uh dimitri what's your experience yeah i can't say that i felt a huge difference but maybe it's just a case of trying it a few times maybe
2: 100 mm. hmm.
3: um this sort of instruction has to be uh not something to be believed it's it's like a self-exploration sure. of how the body is functioning yeah and yeah. what we do expect is that when you let go of the hands you'll get more expansion in the chest.
0: Mm yes yes it's just it's it's it you can't understand it logically i don't think but it's just the sensory that you'll you'll sense it yeah it happens interesting i'll, I'll try this a few times uh perhaps before going to bed when there is this silence and you can just really focus on this and see yeah. see if i feel the difference i was going to ask you this so In terms of like your own experience with the forum and now, you know, we discussed this in quite a bit of a detail about the the whole experience. What has been the improvement for yourself overall with this with this journey, like over the last say, I don't know, four years or how long has the forum been going? I'm not sure. But Mm. what what has been the improvement that you felt?
1: Yeah, actually I was gonna ask you the same thing. So yeah, could you like I mean, when did you start doing this though? Like I think this this whole body breathing is more new, right? Uh, and so, like what has been the change in your life, especially with your um your your underbite and all that like how has that helped you
2: yeah
3: the we do have some scans and they show just some slight rotation within the the nasal maxilla and some reorganization within the bones of the nasal complex and in terms of symptoms i can breathe through both my nostrils which I was not able to do before there was always one was clogged or the other but it's been many years now that I can just breathe through both at all times my crippling back spasms so that compression down my back that's gone away and so the scans do show some change has occurred within the nasomaxilla
2: and I would say I do think it's appeared in my face as well, and the level of mental change
3: and psychosomatic change—I'm I'm almost a different person, almost entirely a different person than when I began uh, this journey. And I do think that's the only, the really the upper limit, the most big upper limit for how far someone can get with this sort of expansion and self-correction of the body. Because um, I think if if we're gonna fix ourselves, it does have to be yourself. Like it's your body. You ultimately you're creating it. You're in charge of this whole operation. And so the long lasting full fix will have to be everyone
2: individually being able to fix themselves. And that level of opening throughout the body,
3: say with my chest posture. Or my shoulders or my hips, or like wherever things are beginning to adjust, that's been a major major improvement. It feels as though I've gone to an osteopath every day for the past
2: you know three or four years interesting,
0: okay so what uh, if we can just briefly touch up on like what what are your plans going forward uh, with all this? I mean it's'm uh, guessing you want to continue and you know I know you've mentioned the Alf. Uh, the Dr. Nortrum, but what about, uh, you know, do you have any other plans? One of the biggest things is getting new
3: practitioners onto this. So we have one in Japan now, we got one in Indiana. So we'll have a map uh, on wholebodybreathing.com of where people can find somebody locally because um, if you can get trained to do this and then on top of that, do the other things, uh, whatever treatment methodology you're pursuing, this will be, I think this is the base of it, and then everything else will be force multiplied and I don't mean just a little bit, I think like by multiples of two or three mm-hmm. um, this is working with so all these the are
1: osteopaths is it like who are these people that you're training? Are they like healthcare or some something related to health
3: yeah, uh the person that I was training in Japan is somebody who is more related to mental awareness. The person who is in Indiana is somebody who runs a it's like a massage clinic where they do red light therapies and things like that to help regain sensation in people's body and it's
0: like a holistic healing center uh, perhaps in just maybe you know a few sentences could you just tell us what could somebody expect uh you know somebody completely new who has issues if they come onto your forum i know i know you've mentioned uh you know the the your experience and the methods that you use I'm guessing there would be quite a bit of support if they come on as a new user uh, or a follower on your forum, what could they expect?
3: Yeah, we will catch you up as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a course as well. Uh, it's going to be launching quite soon. By the time people listen to this, it might be out, um, but that course will get you all the way from not being able to feel much at all. Cause we have a lot of people who, uh, their internal sense of proprioception, we try to build it, um, to a very high level, such that an osteopath can really feel their own body and other people's body really well. A cranial sacral therapist can really feel their body and someone else's body like, really, really well. But that takes years and years of practice um, to compress all that so that you can feel get that level of ability, um, maybe not for others, but at least for yourself. In a short period of time, uh, there'll be a course and the community is just immensely helpful so if you want to go on there and discuss virtually anything especially new ideas i do i do recommend when somebody shows up to the community uh, do try to read things first do try to educate yourself the resources will be there for you to educate yourself about with youtube videos or just write-ups and lessons or you can take the course.
1: yeah, I think your your forum is free, right? I mean, as long as it's not changed from before, anybody can access it, read it, you know, yeah. add, add make comments. And I think you also have a couple of the uh, whole body, some of the first videos because I did watch through them. There was uh, four videos from the, of your original presentation, I think. So I think that's another more in depth uh, analysis. And then I assume after that, though, what uh, you offer courses? Is it like if you want to go further than that?
3: Yeah, we've had people, I mean, they, they didn't pay for the courses, but they just sat around long enough and they absorbed everything. But there's the Discord and the forum and the Facebook group. Those are the really the three things that we're developing. And if you go in there with... Uh, right now, we're at the point... I don't know when people are going to listen to this, right? So if they get in early, they might be at the point where we're still trying to develop the introductory information so that people can really get up to speed quickly. But otherwise if you go there right now as of october 10th you'll be able to get enough information that you're going to start getting symptom improvements like if you start putting this stuff into practice
2: yeah
0: and and the and the course you've mentioned that is being developed right now will will it be a video course yeah we are doing uh, written lessons plus videos
3: plus group sessions so right. a couple of times a week we're going to get together on calls
0: and we will uh, we will teach the breathing together right Sounds very interesting, sounds very interesting, um, but we we'll definitely, you know, recommend to people to at least come and check the forum out and, you know, do a bit of reading and research.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the, the channel, the YouTube channel and the forum are, you know, great resources to at least, you know, see the material that you've collected, that you kind of put up, you know, give it give it a shot, you know, and then you can always, it's really up to you to, do to what you want to do with that information but yeah. you know, i personally did find your like the video about the holographic breathing that was very interesting and so uh on your on your youtube channel uh, so you know at least like take a look at these things and, and see if it, you know you feel something C-
0: can yeah. you just remind us uh the exact uh, address of the, the of the website wholebodybreathing.com exactly that yeah exactly that
2: yeah, yeah.
0: okay Right. Well, it's been rather, you know, I've certainly learned a thing or two today. And it's been very interesting, um, you know, to get that uh, that knowledge. Is there anything, Karen, that you'd like to add before we wrap this up? I would uh, like to add that
3: essentially this is a humanity-wide issue. And people have been injured, which unfortunately has made their issue even worse. But for the issue of the fact that nasal maxillals aren't growing properly and just the general structural collapse, the physical collapse of humans, um, that's across all of us and that the solutions, the keys to words correction, people have been observing little steps Right. So say NCR in one place, when I was in Japan, there was a person who's doing uh, something very close in terms of his understanding and my understanding are very close. And I never would have heard of this person. I just happened to have an apartment and uh, the railway station was just, he was in between me and the railway station. And I saw the word CSF and I'm like, what if that meant cranial sacral fluid? And then I'm like, wait, I think this is a cranial sacral place. And I went in and this guy's got his own methodology that has helped a lot of people. And it, it fits in really well with ours too. But there's just so many people across the world that are doing amazing work. And the issue has been that there's not been enough cross-pollination. And if we really want to solve this, we need that cross-pollination. Whole body breathing has been the best cross-pollination. like The course and what we're doing is my best Uh, cross-pollination of everything that we've done so far um but the awareness is not only to bring people into the problem but like to have everyone understand that you're you're part of the solution like pay attention to your body and like just listen for things and
0: um we'll fix this together sounds great sat would you like to say anything before we wrap this up
1: no i mean uh, i think that uh i think the uh, our aim are similar you know we're just trying to this is such a complex topic that uh that i think everybody's trying in their own way and especially if it's a, a former patient driven i think we understand that that's the reason that you know, we wanted to have karan on board and uh, on the podcast and see what he says and hear his thoughts i mean the thing is like look we, nobody really has all the answers but i think we're all in that pursuit and it's very important to keep pushing it, you know, to keep pushing our understanding, and uh, perhaps one day we can map everything out. But uh, it's very important to at least keep your mind and ears open, and and listen. You may you may not necessarily agree, but it's very important to to, to listen and, and accept that there's probably stuff that we don't fully understand. Maybe someone else has the answer.
0: Yeah, and I totally you know agree with both of you, and you know what Karen said that you do have to be the one uh, doing. And doing the work in a sense of trying to get to the bottom of what's actually going on with you and see if you can find the solutions. And by having that community that Karen has on the forum, talking to people, Facebook group, that definitely all, uh, you know, can be used as as the resource. Uh, because unfortunately, you know, our experience, I mean, sat your experience too, and, you know, many people out there show that if you just go to one specific specialist, and just fully trust them to make things right. You know, it, very often it can actually not work in your favor. So, um, by keeping in contact with like, you know, like minded people and uh, trying to get to the bottom of this is, is the way yeah. forward.
1: I mean, I think that's what we're also trying to do with our. A little discussion with the the Facebook group we have for our podcast as well is to just create yeah. that dialogue, to start that dialogue, and and because you never know if where uh, you know some a spark could come from a little idea, perhaps on uh, you know something to try out.
0: Yeah, it's the way forward
1: yeah there's a collective wisdom right i think that's really what this is is that there's a collective wisdom but because people are going and making the same mistakes others have already made yes you know, that shouldn't be the case right like if there's a collective wisdom a place to kind of understand like oh these things have been done this is what they say and then you know okay is this right for me but otherwise what's happening now is that Something that is definitely not working, for example, for most people, people are still doing that mistake because they just don't know. So it's like everybody's starting at the starting line. And if we can get that thing where, like Karen said, where we know, even I mean, we haven't even been able to get to the point where it's just extractions are wrong. Nobody does extractions. I mean, we haven't even, <laughs> I think extractions has come down worldwide, but it's still not at zero. I'm talking about like extraction orthodontics, not just like a rotting teeth. But yeah, uh, we haven't even reached there. So.
0: Sure. Uh, well, I'll just remind the website address again for Karen. It's wholebodybreathing.com. dot com. So you know, feel free to go and check it out. Whoever is listening. And uh, yes, so we're going to wrap this episode up. It's been very uh, insightful, Karen, to learn uh, about your journey, your experience, and uh, the methods.
1: Yeah, and thank you so much for coming yes. on. You know, it was uh, it was great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much.
0: Um, Okay, so for now, we're going to wrap this up, and uh, yeah, until next time.